Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today, Christian leadership, Christian leadership, and the coronavirus epidemic. We're talking about how to lead through a crisis. And joining me today are my host, uh, Matthew Jacobs, Jaron Street, Chris Shumate, and Jacob Gwynn. Welcome back, brothers. Good to it's be back. Good on. to be back. Yeah. Uh, we're just discussing here as I think this will probably be the episode we air this week. I can actually say that with confidence because it will be the one that comes out this week, this Thursday. We're recording this today on July the 14th. So this should hit on the 16th. We have noticed in Tennessee and I think as well in North Carolina that COVID-19 are supposedly spiking, right? Is, is that is that what we're seeing across the board? And churches are reacting in different ways. Uh, some churches have gone back to online services only. Some churches have just modified their phase-in plan. And some churches are just marching on bravely. But the real question is, how do you handle this kind of a situation? So just out of curiosity, brothers, tell me uh, where you guys are right now. And what do you what do you find is working in the midst of this second spike in this crisis yeah, so for us at Calvary, we we made some some recent changes, and uh, so we are um, holding off on our phase-in plan and what that looks like. So we're putting a pause on that, and then um, you know we had the intention of doing a virtual VBS that we're still going to to be doing um, in regards to our services. Um, at this point, we we are going to no more in-person gatherings for the moment. Um, and we're doing everything online and, and drive through or drive in. And so um, we're still, you know, we started at this Sunday where we just went to drive in only and, uh, and our, our live stream as well. And uh, out of abundance of caution, but um, you know, and, and a lot of that, you know, we talked about how to make decisions and be decisive. A lot of it was just good, wise counsel from some people in the church who are in the medical field and, just saw a lot of rise and uptick in our community and just thought out of just being safe. And um, for our church body, that was the best thing to do just in the time being. Yeah. For us, we have gone back to Sunday morning, Wednesday night and Sunday school. We've not doing Sunday night church, but part of the reason for that is we are just now starting to see COVID here. Like we had a case, a couple cases at the beginning of June. And within the last two weeks, we've actually seen it grow. So like, I think right now we have like 30 cases, but two weeks ago we had like eight total and we're up to like 30 active. So we're seeing that. And one of the steps that we've made is like, if your Sunday school classroom was too small for you based off like the room recommendation, go to a bigger facility in the, the church. And then, this week, our deacons met last week and made the decision because we just had some some people that were genuinely concerned about this, um, and they made the decision to, to tape off half the pews to try to to limit people sitting beside each other, and so that is where we're at right now. But 
I, I sit there and I'm I'm curious how long do we can how long are we able to continue to maintain the in person meetings? Like Jacob, I was kind of interested on this conversation to see what, where all of y'all were because you're probably the sixth church since Sunday afternoon that I've heard of that has gone back to online or drive-in services. Yeah, we, you know, we were COVID-19 cases, Jacob, at your church. Yeah. So what was that question? Do you have any confirmed COVID-19? Yeah. So for us, we were one of the first ones to start the in-person gathering like you. We had everything spaced out. We were only doing Sunday morning. Then we did a large group Sunday school in the sanctuary, had maybe 20 or 30 people. We had a lot more for our Sunday morning service. So for us, we actually made the decision at the tail end of last week to move back in that direction. And then within, uh, within a day or two afterwards, um, got word that we, we do have a, a COVID confirmed case in our congregation. And so for us, we had done that before we had ever heard that word. And, uh, and even thankful that we had done that. And, um, and even as we've been talking with, with everybody that's involved in that, um, you know, it's, there's been a fair amount of time, um, since that person had attended an in-person gathering, um, that we're kind of out of the clear, but we're still to the end of this month going to continue this process of, of, of just out of a cot, out of caution, you know, um, because in, in Carter County where we're at, um, there has just, especially in Elizabeth, there's just been an abundance of cases just in the last handful of days. And uh, just various people at our church. Um, one gentleman is a, uh, works in, in the respiratory department there at the hospital. And, um, you know, he called, you know, called me and a few people, you know, that Thursday and said, hey, you know, we need you to know what's, you know, yes, there's cases increasing, but here's what it's like at the hospital right now. And so just seeing that, that just really just confirmed some things for us that we were moving in that direction. And that just really just solidified for us to go ahead and make that directional change. Yeah, we've hit a pause button on our process of of the plan that we'd come up with. So we were supposed to start small groups on the first Sunday night of July, which is around the same week that everything began to start climbing here in our county, in Carter County. And so we've now postpone that another 30 days we're hoping to start the first Sunday night in August but we're going to keep monitoring how things go between now and then you know I'm optimistic with uh, the decision that's that's going around that schools are going to start back on time August the 7th here so um, perhaps we will be have a green light uh, and a clear conscience on trying to start that on Sunday nights but we still are only doing then at this time our Sunday morning worship in-person gatherings, uh, still no Sunday school. Um, our Sunday nights and Wednesday nights still live streamed online. And, uh, we're just going to continue to monitor. Uh, we had hoped to be back with Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, uh, small groups and then Wednesday night worship in the park by now, but we just had to, had to delay that as we keep an eye on all that's going on. Yeah, at Oak Street, we're meeting on Sunday mornings, um, Sunday mornings only. We started that, I guess, about the first week of June, I think it was. And we've got a lot of seating closed off. Uh, so we're, we're asking folks to just sit in family units or groups. So ideally, everybody's got about six feet all the way around on all sides of them and their family group. Some of our, actually most of our Sunday school classes are meeting as well. Um, 
one group is not meeting and that's our senior adults group. A lot of them are, are understandably not comfortable being here yet. And we totally understand that and support that. So we've got a lot of classes that are meeting and just making use of, of social distancing, you know, within those spaces. And it's easy to do because the groups are smaller right now, you know, not everybody's coming. So we've got people that are, that are in those groups, but they're spread out enough and we're, we're encouraging people to wear masks. Um, most I would say of those that come on Sunday mornings are wearing masks. Not everybody is, and we're not kicking anybody out of the door or anything like that, but we're encouraging it and uh, just asking them to consider it as a way of loving their neighbor and serving their neighbor, even if they're not particularly concerned for their own safety, uh, just, just do that for your neighbor. And so, uh, for the time being, that's what we're going to do. We're going to just carry on with Sunday morning, Sunday school and, and worship. Um, but that's very subject to change. Uh, you know, we, we stopped gathering when, you know, the officials asked us to limit the size of our gatherings. And so it, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes again. And so we'll be open to that and, and willing to do what we're asked to do there. Um, I, I told the church, I don't know, back in April, probably. I don't know who came up with this A little proverb I heard years ago, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. And, and that's kind of been our operating principle here. Like just, we're going to be flexible. We're going to do whatever needs to be done. We're going to understand that this is a, a very fluid situation. And, and our folks have been very understanding and supportive and gracious in that. Yeah, I feel like this has been more of a fluid situation because it continually changes. Now, I was just reading an article this week where they're saying, you know, how long will we have to comply with these issues? And I was beginning to ask this question, as I know many of you brothers are, how long will we deal with this? And I read one article said, you know, the fastest production vaccine that I think has been made is four or five years. And I, I just can't. I can't imagine dealing with this for four or five years. We may have to. I mean, I. It, this has affected like every realm of life. And, and one of the things that's consent that I'm struggling with personally, and I'm not trying to, you know, it, I'm concerned with the unity of the church in, in this, because I'm sure it's this way at your churches as well. And, and this is really more the true crisis than the COVID thing, I think is, is how it's going to affect the unity of the church. I have people in the church that I think are in the spectrum and they haven't quite voiced it to me, but I've seen it voiced online and social media platforms that, you know, this is a left wing conspiracy to remove Donald Trump from office. We're not wearing a mask. We're not doing any of that. I know all the way to we'll be back to church when they come up with a vaccine until then see all this, whenever that fall or whenever that will be, you know, next year, whatever. And there's a tension that we have to walk through as pastors. Now, I'm not asking you brothers what you personally think, but I, I am concerned with how to hold all these people together in the church, you know, because sometimes it feels like you're trying to hold a bunch of max matchsticks together and keep the thing from lighting up and keep it from splitting apart. And, uh, you know, asking people to wear masks, as Chris points out, not everybody does it because some people are not convinced that this is even a real thing. I mean, I read an article from the news today, half the cases that are confirmed of COVID-19 show no symptoms. And so, you know, like, what do you do with that? Either the tests are flawed 
or, you know, and in some cases there are people waiting on, you know, donation of uh, organs. If you get a COVID-19 positive, you can't go in the surgery room. You, you're taken off the donor list. It's basically a death sentence. And so, you know, managing all these things that are happening at this time, you know, we, before this happened, if somebody told you, well, I'm just going to stay at home and watch services online, what would your response been to that person? It would have been a, it, for, for me, I would look at the age and the time of year it was like flu season. If I see an elderly person that sits there and says, Hey, because flu is going really bad right now, I'm going to stay home. I, I would have had no issue. Some of my age telling me that I would have slapped them across the face. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like why versus now, you know, in, in my heart of hearts, you know, like I am saddened when we don't get together. Cause I enjoy genuinely loving with the body, but this is a unique, weird situation where it's like, I can't fault you. No one's going to be upset for you not being here. Actually, like I've told several members who are part of the three to thrive philosophy that are so concerned that they're sinning and doing wrong by not coming. I'm like, I prefer you to stay home mm-hmm. because if we are having church and someone was to come here and have COVID-19 and you were to catch it and you believe that you're going to die because of your health, I don't want that on me. I'd prefer you to stay home and watch it. And so it's, it's just a weird thing. Sorry to abruptly come in at this point, but uh, for some reason, the recording with the rest of our host did not finish recording. So at this point in the podcast, I will be taking over to give the points of interest. And, and the first thing that we are to do is to practice leadership, not reactionship. Uh, the weird thing about leadership is you have to all the emotions anyone else does during a crisis, and you're you're thinking about your own health and your family's health and your freedoms and your fears. Plus, you're responsible for the weight of the entire church or the organization you're leading, which adds a burden that's difficult to describe unless you've carried it. Paul talks about this when he says, I am burdened with the uh, love for the churches. And so we see that there is definitely a need to uh, not practice uh, reactionship, but leadership in a time like this. Too many leaders will practice reactionship in a crisis, not leadership. Your job isn't just to react to what's happening. It's to lead the people in light of what's happening. Second of all, we should embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. Uh, Perhaps the thing that disappoints me most both in myself and in the things that I see on social media platforms is a profound selfishness that Christians are displaying in the midst of a crisis. Uh, I feel all these instincts too. And I think that we have to fight the flesh in this matter. It's easy to spot selfishness in other people. Crisis simply reveals and amplifies what's already inside of a person. For too many of us, that's selfishness and self-righteousness. I need to remind myself in a time like this that the early church was known, wasn't known for stockpiling ample food and supplies for themselves and spreading fear in their culture through social media platforms. Um, so, you know, the best leaders show sacrifice in times of crisis, not selfishness. We see this rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't feel like your family or, or wash your hands thoroughly and often, But I'm saying, though, that we need to be careful what we are communicating with decisions and how we speak. The world sometimes gets the gospel better than pastors do. They celebrate people who give their lives and sacrifice and service of others. 
and historically we do. But self-protection and self-defense may be some other religion. It's not Christianity. The best leaders show sacrifice in times of crisis, not selfishness. And the sacrifice you show as a leader will bring out the sacrifice in others. Unfortunately, so will the selfishness. We need to gather wise counselors to check our natural instincts. I realize that it sounds asymmetric to say you shouldn't over or underreact, but some almost no one gets the right by nature. You have a natural bias to either overreact or underreact in a situation. The key is to know your bias. And I guess this is reaction. There are certain triggers and underreaction has other type of tri triggers. Um, naturally, I'm not fear-driven. So when a crisis like this happens, I definitely will tilt toward underreaction whenever situations like this happen. I think when one of my deacons told me about this, they had watched the news. I had to be told that we were in the middle of all this. So I'm shocked at how rapidly this has spread and how much disruption that's fueled in such a short period of time. Uh, the first week of the new coronavirus was announced at the beginning of 2020, and uh, I, I was not really that on my radar until later. Um, so I, I hope that they're wrong, that they said that, you know, this would be as bad as SARS and worse than bird flu and some of the others. Uh, but it appears that some are passing away, and now I, I know that there's at least one person I know of who has it. Social media is providing almost singularly unhelpful in providing reliant information on the pandemic and the mainstream media, which I am generally kind of a critic of, I shudder to think about, a world without it has been impacted by the need for clicks to attention for the economy. It's ironic. In an age of unprecedented access to information during a crisis, Thanks to social media, most of what you get is misinformation. Uh, has, has, you know, people are disinformed and then just hysteria breaks out. I suppose this shouldn't be surprising. It's always been said that truth is the first uh, casualty of war. So what do you do in a situation like this? Um, gather the smartest, most informed people that you know with accurate experience in health care and let them advise you. Um, Take their advice and make your decisions. You will likely have to reach beyond your staff and, and deacons or boards or whatever you may have. Uh, likely that you'll have to get uh, for more than one person there. And so you need you need that consultation. Um, third, fourth thing is communicate clearly. Once you have a plan in place, once you have communicated, almost all leaders tilt towards saying too much or too little. Here's a pattern that's helped me communicating during a crisis. First and foremost, we have to acknowledge the crisis and acknowledging the problem. People need to know, you know, as you might say, as you know, we're in a situation none of us have been in before and things are changing day by day. Second thing, acknowledge both sides. I'm sure in the coming weeks, Outside of government directives, some churches will decide to shut down or go online. I have even heard of churches who have decided not to have any in-gathering face-to-face services till 2021. Others will continue to meet as long as they're allowed. Acknowledging that both are options gives you more credibility, not less. 
saying something like, we've seen some organizations close, others stay open. Both are options. Too often you'll be tempted to pretend like your opinion is the only option that actually just makes you look, well, stupid. <laughs> of course, there's more than one option. Uh, and, you're, and let your people know that. Three, be clear. Your decision, about your decision, be clear. And I'll say this, you can't over-communicate a decision. You can't over-communicate in leadership, right? Um, be clear. State your opinion. You've selected, for example, we decided to stay open this week, and here's how it'll work. Let the people know. Communicate it on all your communication platforms. If you don't have those in place, get those in place. Fourth thing here, when you're communicating, tell people why. This is the most important thing you can do. Whether you're open or closed is less important than why you're open or closed. After all, people don't buy what people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Five, point to hope. Because it's a crisis, you're probably delivering news you don't want to deliver. What you have to remember is that your job is less to see the future and lead people there. Uh, there will be a time when the crisis passes. And you'll be around for all of it, hopefully, unless the Lord returns or you're taken home before. And you need to point to hope. Um, a great, I'm going to see great examples of, of Christian crisis leadership in a different, difficult context. There's uh, Pastor Kevin Queen and his team at Cross Point Church in Nashville, whose building was severely damaged by the tornadoes in Nashville in March 2020, is a good example. Uh, as tough as the situation is, uh, they're they're helping their city. They're pointing to hope, and while rebuilding their church, and I love the gospel instinctions of Kevin and his team. Kevin, by the way, has mainly asked people to help rebuild the city and not the church. Uh, when you're open or closed, is less important here as to why you're open and closed. After all, people don't like I said, people don't want to buy you; they want to buy why you do it. And then finally, stop the spin. You're going to be tempted to spin the truth to your side. Don't. This is a complex situation, and the truth is most of us don't really know how long this is going to last, how much damage will be done, or what will happen. Plus, you have a vested interest in this. Churches don't want to run out of people or money. They like nickels and noses. Businesses don't want to go bankrupt. People don't want to lose their life savings. So you'll be tempted to put a spin on events so that working things out in your favor. I've also seen people try to use the crisis to justify their right or left political leanings. And uh, no, that's not helpful. All of that is just really bad leadership. Crises are human and they're part of life and they're not partisan. One of my biggest, one of the biggest ways to combat this is simply to do what's best for you, if you love the people you serve, help the people you serve, and lead the people you serve, they really are around you. Honestly, they will. And if you try to manipulate them, control them, or use them, the smart ones will smell that out and leave. Spin and sin are very closely related, so you need to remember that. Grace and truth will get you through this. Stay tethered to those. And then finally, look for opportunities in the midst of all the obstacles. Leaders will find opportunities where others see obstacles. There are opportunities here. Um, there are opportunities. Five years ago, you know, some of the, the tools that we've been using during this pandemic, the church questioned and thought maybe we should not use this at all. 
uh, I, I know that uh, now they're saying we're praising God for online services, for online giving, for Zoom meetings that we can have so we can be in person. Uh, we don't know what all the the future will hold, but I can say this. The church must continue with a strong online presence. At the end of the day, Jesus went where the people were. He gathered where the people gathered. He met them where they were. He didn't sit back in heaven and hope they would find him and stumble on him. He engaged them where they were. The church must prepare to enter into the social media platforms where people are. Lost people save people, people who are moving and being transitioned from lost to save. We must have a presence there. So here's a few tips to help you in thinking through this. First and foremost, improve your digital online experience. You've known for a long time that your online experience needs to improve. Now it's time to act. Sink more time and attention to connecting with people virtually, and you will be able to lead them regardless of uh, if you're able to meet in person. Whether it's your own venue in the upcoming months or not, digital is absolutely here to stay. If you don't believe me, have a conversation with the CEOs and the leadership at Sears about whether or not uh, switching to online platform would have been critical to saving their company, right? And the answer is they absolutely would have. Or ask Toys R Us, who never took it as seriously as they should have and now are gone. And who would have thought that Sears and Toys R Us would have quickly evaporated away? Uh, there's not, There's nothing quite like face-to-face and nothing will take away what that is and the gathering of that. Uh, But we need to understand that a digital online experience is here to stay. Help your city, help your community. Maybe you're not in the city. Maybe you're in the country. You're in rural Appalachia there. Uh, Find ways to, everybody's obsessed with themselves right now. Look for ways to serve others. Serve your local police department, local fire department. Find ways to serve them. Broker hope. People's spiritual instincts and questions get triggered in moments like these. Give them the good news of the gospel. A world struggling with death and sickness and broken bodies and broken homes and families needs both the hope of the resurrection and the power of God who suffers with them. The appetite for the gospel has been uh, wrought in everybody and it's been there for years. A generation that's sick of hype is ready for hope, and that's where this generation is. And then finally, brothers and sisters, let me encourage you to do this. Deepen your trust. One way or another, this crisis will pass. If you embrace, humble uh, yourselves godly and, and do what we've outlined here, godly leadership expressed during this time, you'll have so much trust in the bank with the people that you are leading that the future will indeed be much greater than the past. Having been together through a crisis, you'll be able to tackle so much more together in the future. You'll spot a lot of other opportunities as well, and I promise you that they're there. So lead on. Lead in such a way that you are um, practicing leadership and not reactionship, embracing sacrifice, not selfishness, Gathering wise counsel to check your natural instincts, communicating clearly, stopping the spin, and looking for opportunity in the midst of the obstacle. I appreciate you joining us this week. Tune in next time as we look at church mergers 
the difficulty that they are, and the different categories and way we should think about them. Thank you, and have a blessed day. Sorry again that our other hosts weren't here for the back end of this podcast, but I felt there was so much good stuff on the front end, I wanted to go ahead and fill in the back end from what we talked about. Look forward to seeing you next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.